Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody. It is the Aftermath episode of the Huddle Up! Podcast, presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Blue Wire Podcast, and I'm your host, Chad Jensen, with me, my fellow football priest. He is the deputy editor of MileHighHuddle.com, Zach Kelberman. Zach, Vic Fangio, we can go through the specific uh, verbatims of what he said to give people context, but so much of what he said today... Uh, at the virtual podium was disappointing. Nothing more so than saying, completely dismissing even the notion of making a quarterback change. It's Teddy till the cows come home. And forgive me, Zach, I forget who posed this last night. It might have been Donald Netanyahu in the chat. What if I told you there was really no quarterback competition? I maintain Broncos never planned on, even entertained, possibility of drew lock being their starting quarterback this year i i don't know why anyone's surprised uh again vic fangio has plausible deniability starting teddy bridgewater he wouldn't dare risk number three coming in and not playing number five chad it would make him look bad he's gonna let teddy dig his own grave barring injury or decree from george payton and that's the way it's gonna go down he's you know he's keeping tom mcmahon in place he said as special teams coordinator he's making no changes to quarterback or staff I'll give Fangio credit one thing. He's loyal to those around them. him. He's going down with the ship, Chad. There'll be no major changes unless Peyton steps in until the end of the year. Listen up, Broncos country. Tick Pick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. Tick Pick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Huddle Up podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Denver Broncos football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Broncos tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site take pick will give you 110 percent of the difference in the purchase price that's right guys when we were searching for tickets for the mhh meet and greet for week three at home broncos versus jets tick pick had us locked down so visit tickpick.com slash huddle today and use the promo code huddle to save ten dollars on your first order of broncos tickets Period, end of story. And that's something that we've been talking about a lot when we get the questions. Hey, can we expect this? Can we expect that? There have been some depths thus far this season. There have been some serious depredations. And so the questions have come and we've said, look, barring Vic Fangio 
being shown the door, the monumental changes that you think, that we think, could maybe spark this team and turn the ship around, they're not coming. Patriot Text jumped in early with a super chat. Thank you, bro. It says, one day later, I still can't forgive this coaching staff. If they're not fired, I may be done for a while. I'm over all this bad football. Yeah, it's bad, dude. It's it's horrendous. And the thing that drives everyone absolute bat, you know what, crazy, pardon me, is the refusal, Zach, the lack of presence of mind to you know lick your finger and put it up in the air, see which way the wind's blowing, and make the right changes. Not even necessarily the right changes, because who's to say what, what is right, what is wrong, but make some kind of palpable change. I get it. Special teams coordinator, Zach, in season, they don't grow on trees. Good luck finding a plausible replacement other than some assistant that's already maybe helping out Tom McMahon right now. That's not even the one I care the most about. There are things you can do. Personnel changes, guys waiting in the wings. The Broncos are absolutely unwilling to even consider that, and they're not going to, Zach, as you said, until Vic's either gone, George steps in, or they're completely 86 from all playoff contention. I mean, it's not even just a matter of like a, a, a one versus one in terms of getting his replacement. It's sending a message that incompetency and failure at your job will not be tolerated. And that's what he has to show his coaching staff and his players, that if you don't shape up, you will get shipped out. That's how it works. And the trading of Von Miller was supposed to send that message. That's what George Payton can do. But Vic Fangio was letting the ship just be on cruise control. He has no motivation, Chad. I don't think he's doing the franchise any favors. He's doing Vic Fangio favors. And any change he would make would be a referendum on himself. If he fired Tom McMahon, it would be going back to, well, he was the wrong choice as coordinator. If he benches Teddy Bridgewater, well, he made the wrong choice picking Bridgewater as a starting quarterback. That's how stubborn Vic Fangio is. That's how prideful and egotistical he is. And now we're seeing why John Elway liked him so much. I like this from Scott Fangio. Here's a good way to look at it verbatim from Kennedy. Fangio is a dead man walking. He's not going to do a uh, he's not going to do a player he doesn't like any favors. He doesn't like Drew Locke. We'll talk more about that here in a minute. Sam Bam, what's good, brother? Appreciate you. Very generous. Love you. He says the only good thing that came out of yesterday was that we're closer to getting rid of this terrible coaching staff. Also, the BBM is for Braves, Broncos, Mavericks. Okay. The three teams I'm a fan of. Forgot to mention that. Good to know. Appreciate the uh, clarification. But, yeah. Again, Zach, Vic Fangio, he knows. It's playoffs where I'm getting the the old axe. And in that sense, he very much is a dead man walking because this team is not making the playoffs. And, guys, sitting here on November 15th, if I'm wrong, come January, I will happily. I'll put as much sriracha on as I must eat that crow. Broncos are not making the playoffs this year because they're not going to make changes. They're not doing anything. They're walking straight into the buzzsaw. They're not even trying to put on protective gear. They're just like face first into the buzzsaw. That's it. How can you expect a team like that that is led by a head coach that lacks any presence of mind is not willing to call players and coaches out into the carpet when the time is you know, you don't do it every day, but you got to be able to sense, Zach, in clutch moments, critical moments of your season, when you have to make those type of speeches, moves, decisions that are uncomfortable, like the one with Teddy Bridgewater from yesterday. 
you know, Teddy made a big deal about saying how much te- uh, coach called him out today in the team meeting. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. You know, as as you know, Chad, and, and most of the viewers know, I'm kind of also, you know, paying attention to the Cowboys more than I like. And the thing about Mike McCarthy is he goes to extreme lengths. You know, he's smashing watermelons before games. Uh, before Sunday's game, he introduces players to monkey butt. And if you don't know what that is, you might want to look that up. At least he goes beyond the, the, the pales of the job to get his players on the same page, to endear himself. I don't want Fangio introducing Broncos players to monkey butt necessarily. I would just like for him to do something that would show growth, that can show progression, that he's not stuck in 1975 with his hands underneath his armpits like that. I saw a tweet. I forget who it was who pointed out what the Eagles have done offensively every single week, which is being tracked on social media. So if it's tracked on social media, it's being tracked in NFL front offices. And the Broncos defense made no adjustments to what Jalen Hurts was going to do with the football yesterday against the Philadelphia Eagles. Now that's on defense. That's Fangio's baby. That's what Fangio got the job for. He's a supposed defensive mastermind, and he's not even willing to make a change on that. So that's how stubborn he is, and that extends to an offense that he doesn't watch with his own eyes. Fumble returns that he doesn't. He claims he doesn't see, Chad. He is so out of touch with what it takes to be an NFL head coach. I thought VJ was the worst, was the bar, but he's even below that. Christian, thank you, brother. Appreciate you. He says, you boys are the best, unlike Vic and Teddy. Hashtag, I love MHH. You're so sweet, bro. Here's actually what Teddy, or pardon, what Vic said about Teddy's now infamous, ignominious business decision against the Eagles quote on what he would have liked Teddy to do perhaps differently. I like the way that um, I think it was Ryan O'Halloran, all credit due to uh, of the Denver post. He kind of couched it like, Hey uh, Vic, instead of you, instead of us trying to coax you to say, I wish Teddy would have done something different. Let me kind of lead that horse to water. Let me just go ahead and say, what would you have liked Teddy to have done differently? Quote, well, I'd like to see us all pursuing a little bit better offensively and find a way to get that guy down at the top of the, where Teddy got involved. I think he thought he was forcing it back into somebody else that had an angle on him, but I'd like to see Teddy at least make a play at that guy. Close quote. Now, Zach, here's where it gets interesting. This was Teddy's uh, nonsensical explanation at the podium last night, immediately following the game, talking about how the sideline is your friend And, you know, it's like, what did that have to do with a guy who wasn't trying to run to the sideline, by the way? Either way, he almost verbatim repeated what we heard Teddy say last night in defense initially of what he didn't realize at the time was going to blow up and be basically, it's not only a phenomenon within Broncos country and Bronco media, Zach, it is a national phenomenon. I mean, national talking heads are clowning and getting after Teddy. We'll get more into that. But when he was asked, Zach, Vic Fangio, on whether he listened to Teddy's explanation for the play after the game, quote, I didn't see what he said after the game. I detect BS. I detect BS here, Zach. Yeah, that was my point. He's acting like he has this grand theory as to why Teddy did what he did, but all he did was repeat what Teddy said. And I'm glad there was a reporter that followed up by catching on to that as well. I don't I don't buy what he's saying there. Like, I didn't buy when he got up there and admitted he wasn't watching the play. He didn't see it in real time. Vic Fangio went from being subtly deceitful to outright lying. 
And it's gone as the Broncos have lost games. It's gone as he's been exposed as an incompetent head coach. I think Teddy Bridgewater, the truth is, he wanted no part of that tackle attempt. He even told Slay after the game, apparently, this is from Darius Slay, he said, quote, Slay, I, you know I can't tackle you. Can't or didn't want to. Either way, it's a terrible look for Teddy Bridgewater. I'm going to explain to you why Teddy is revealing, like he's a smart dude. He says a lot of the right things at the podium, very intelligent. Sometimes he spits, like I said last night, wisdom, you know, true pearls. There's something he said, in fact, I'm just going to go ahead and quote it. And real quick before I grab it, uh, Andrew, thank you, bro. He says, this team looked like a Ferrari at the start, only to open the hood and see a jalopy motor held together with bubble gum. Shake my head. Nice. I like it. Very poetic. And yes, indeed, we feel you. So let's talk about Teddy and his his uh, business decision. By the way, we got we to gotta talk about not only what Rex Ryan said, but also Fangio's uh, response to that. Um, so he said here, uh, let me find it real quick. Bear with me one second. Uh, he's talking about the backlash. You know what? Let me just paraphrase it and then I'll come and find the direct quote, Zach. But here's, here's what he said to the effect that you don't want to put on tape like that. You don't want to put tape out there where you make that bad of a fool of yourself or whatever. Intimating to me, Zach, that is Teddy's mind on leading the Broncos to victory or is Teddy's mind on figuring out how he's getting paid next year? That's, that's my question. Why, what are you worried? Now, it could be me just reading a little too deeply into this, right? I could be making a mountain out of a molehill. But I think there's more of a Freudian uh, possibility here that, that Teddy Bridgewater is kind of exposing the fact that his eye is more on the prize of what comes next after the Denver Broncos than it is, per se, Zach, on trying to carp deem, seize the day, try and lead this Broncos to something meaningful, which then, of course, that's when you get paid. I don't know. I'll find the quote, but very uh, curious. I mean, I'll be totally objective, unbiased when it comes to Teddy Bridgewater. I, I truthfully don't think he's motivated by money. Otherwise, I don't think he would have signed off on the trade that got him to the Broncos in the first place. He's being paid well below market average for a starting quarterback in the NFL. I think the problem plaguing Teddy Bridgewater is he's not motivated by football. I don't think he loves football. I don't think it's what he breathes, he lives for, he dies for, he sweats for it. I, I think he likes playing it. I don't think he loves playing it. And, you know, when they made that admission about Teddy, he got all those fluff pieces because he doesn't go on social media. He doesn't have a television at home or whatever. He's a very simple guy. It was kind of a red flag to me. I mean, in this day and age, you have to be a little, a little modern. You have to adjust and adapt a little bit, even if you don't want to. I despise social media, Chad, but we need it for our jobs, for our employment. It's a professional use. So I, that's the thing I feel about Teddy is he's kind of just a lackadaisical guy caught in this perpetual mal malaise. And then when it works out on the football field, you see him... I don't want to make that tackle attempt. I don't love the game that much where I'm going to sacrifice my body to get the guy down. Whatever happens, happens. It's just a game. That's how I truthfully think Teddy Bridgewater looks at things. But that's all my speculation. Okay, listen to this really quick. All right, here's, uh, here's what I'm getting at. Now, you guys tell me in the chat, am I reading too much into this? All right. Here was his first uh, comment after being asked about the Darius Slay fumble return. Quote, we watched it today as a team. Coach, 
Vic Fangio pointed out that my effort had to be better there. I don't know if I, I don't know, man. I don't know. Anyway, I totally agree. That's not the type of tape that I want to put out there. It's one of those situations where you get pissed after you watch it because you know how much this game means to you. Guys are out there trying to make a play. And Zach, real quick, on the subject of guys making plays, you know, you wonder, hey, you're if you want to be able to get after one of your guys for maybe mailing it in on a third down and you get sacked and you want to get up and get in your right tackles grill, how where's your credibility now? Are you really sold out for this team, Teddy? That's what's in the minds of, of his teammates, at least some of them. And Zach, his teammates, according to him, have uh have approached him. And here's here's what he said about that. Uh where is it? Yeah, quote, yeah, guys have talked to me about the play. I won't share what we talked about, but it was great that Coach called it. How many times does he have to mention it, Zach, that Coach called him out in the team meeting before you go, wait a minute, thou protesteth too much, right? Uh, We talk about holding each other accountable. That's a moment right there where I'm not going to sink in my chair or feel bad that Coach called me out. I take full ownership in what happened. Coach called me out. I hold myself accountable. We all have a standard that we live by around here. I'm happy coach called me out to show, hey, man, we need more out of you right here. It happened, close quote. Zach, I hate to, uh, you know, pull the Shakespearean card here, but again, thou protesteth too much. Copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste. I mean, he's repeating the same talking points over and over. I don't buy the the genuine nature of what he's saying there. Why is he saying coach and not coach Fangio, by the way? It's just a weird way to publicly address your superior when you're going through something like this. Either he's buying all into what Vic Fangio told him after the game, or he's literally just telling the public what the Broncos told him to say as a means to deflect. All I heard, though, there, Chad, was two words, and that was damage control. Yes, indeed. Michaela, the Duchess, jumping in. Thank you, my friend. We love you. She says, what uh, what Fangio is, I assume she's saying, is doing is criminal. Can we lock him up? Pun intended. Never seen anything like this. Teams fired coaches for a lot less. Shake my head. Let's talk about this real quick because I don't want to lose my train of thought on. Vic Fangio doesn't like Drew Locke. And you think, well, wait a minute now. Drew was your the quarterback that kind of christened your uh, tenure as head coach, right? You get hired as head coach. The quarterback the team drafts for you basically is Drew Locke. Now, maybe Zach in his maiden season as head coach, he didn't have a whole heck of a lot to do with that pick other than, you know, hey, guys, John Elway, Matt Russell coming to him and saying, hey, we're, we're going to go ahead and trade up and grab Drew. You down for that? And maybe Vic being like, yeah, okay, cool. But let's just assume for a second that he had nothing to do with that. And thank you, Brian. Appreciate you, bro. He says, always watch y'all. Uh, my first live Broncos. Oh, that's or my first live Broncos for life. That's cool. Appreciate you, Brian. Welcome. Connect on Twitter. All right. Um, but Zach, let's just assume for a second that he wasn't didn't have much to do with the Drew Locke thing. But then all of a sudden, maybe he kind of becomes a believer when and I, I don't want to recount it too much. But that rookie season when Drew injured his thumb in preseason game three was healthy by week four or five and they didn't bring him off IR until week 13. Very bizarre, very bizarre. But they finally do, and then he goes and wins four of the final five games, and Vic Fangio has a semi-respectable first-year record as a brand-new head coach, 7-9. and nine. Saved you from abject, absolute, just you're probably getting fired after your first year because they had only won three games by the time they put Drew Locke in. All right, fast forward to 2020. 
maybe maybe Vic now, Zach, is at least ambivalent about Drew. He's like, all right, you know, young guy, going to have to go through our ups and downs. But, hey, we went four and one down the stretch. All right, cool. I think the moment that Vic, that Drew lost Vic was the week 12 thing at New Orleans. I think that, or versus New Orleans, that whole ball of wax, all right, and it is a ball of wax. I think that's where Vic, whatever distaste, whatever fear of playing Drew, whatever trust, you know, and it's not all on Vic here. Obviously, Drew screwed up because not only did they break protocol, Zach, but they did, according to reports, according to the NFL's opinion anyway, let's just say that, according to the NFL's opinion, they did try to obfuscate what happened. They tried to be deceptive to the league. But either way, that's where he lost. And at the time, they didn't have any other option. Vic, I should say, didn't have much option except to continue playing Drew down the stretch last year after that occurred. But Vic Fangio doesn't like Drew Luck. That is my humble opinion based on writing you know, 30,000 articles, however many it's been since I've been doing this, covering the team, talking to people, seeing what my, you know, analyzing what my eyes are telling me, my ears are telling me. Drew Locke is persona non grata to Vic Fangio, which is why, again, Zach, and now I'm going to serve this back to you. Apologies for my long-winded rant here. I don't think this ever was truly a 50-50 competition. I don't think the Broncos ever intended on really playing Drew, but they had to count on Teddy playing well in his one preseason start, and he played well enough for them to go, all right, cool, we're, we're in the clear. I don't even think it was a competition. I think it was a charade. It was just a word they threw out there to make it look like a competition. You know, so often we take the human element out of these things, and at least I know from experience when I don't like someone, I'm saying to myself, just give me a reason for me not to like you. You know, give me one reason. Dig your own grave. And I think you're right by – Drew Locke doing that with the whole CV incident and the Saints last year. And again, this year, I mentioned this yesterday, uh, any chance that Drew Locke had to start this year, any goodwill that might have been built up from Drew Locke toward Vic Fangio, him, Locke, landing on the CV list, I think, extinguished that. So I don't think he ever liked him. I don't think he was ever committed to him. And I think he's been looking for reasons ever since Vic to Drew to not like him, not start him. The birthday comments, choosing uh, Bridgewater as the starter, just the way he's even talked about him, his mannerisms when you bring up Drew Locke's name. I mean, that's the only type of emotion Vic Fangio ever shows is disdain for Drew Locke. Well, and even today, the question that he got, uh, on the subject of will you make any changes? And thank you, George, by the way. He says, Teddy is now trying to change what he said after the game. This is complete bull. I say bench him or even cut him some big-time stars. Thank you, George. Appreciate you, bro. Um, let me find uh, Let me find what Vic said here. Hold on one second. I want to come back to credit to, by the way, Darren McKee, a.k.a. DMAC of 104.3 The Fan. He's the guy that has the intestinal fortitude to ask those tough questions, all right, regardless of the, <clears throat> you know, the convenience of the moment. <clears throat> Pardon me. He uh, he asks what needs to be asked, and he uh, when it, when the situation dictates it, he's the one that that gets it out there and forces the coach to uh, to address it. Here's Dmax. <laughs> Here's Dmax question uh, on the topic of. ESPN analyst and former head coach Rex Ryan saying, Zach, real quick, what did Rex Ryan say about Drew Locke? You had the story or about Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. 
I would have benched his ass. That's what Rex Ryan said point blank today on ESPN's Get Up. He says, Teddy, you got two gloves on. Go make a damn tackle. And you know what? Like Rex or hate Rex, you can say a lot about him. He's not a head coach right now, so where is he? He's absolutely right in this situation. And let me just flex for a second, Chad, for the brand. This wasn't a storyline among Broncos media until we wrote the story. So we deserve our flowers for that one. I'll say that. You also wonder how much the Draymond Jones tweet walking things back might have been uh, informed somewhat, Zach, by the poll we have with our social media. You know, our, our articles, number one on Google, you know, we drive 100,000 or so people on Facebook to reading stuff, Twitter. That's nothing. I mean, that's to say nothing of our YouTube community, our mailing list, uh, our newsletter list, I should say. You might be right. But here's what DMAC said, quote, on the ESPN analyst. Uh, uh, Rex Ryan's statement yesterday that he would have benched Teddy Bridgewater after the fumble recovery. And by the way, Rex Ryan said, I would have benched his ass and I hate Drew Locke, right? (laughs) Like he threw that in there. And whether Vic will give any consideration to changing the game plan offensively over the bye week, that's not exactly what he said. He did say that, but then he also asked, and what can, you know, start finding a way to fit Drew Locke in. Quote, Vic Fangio, I respect Rex in his opinion, but I don't agree with him at this point. And no, Teddy's our quarterback moving forward. At this just point, just makes you want to pull your hair out. At this point, I, I mean, I don't want to spend the whole show tonight kind of over diagnosing what Vic Fangio was saying and reading too much into things. But at this, does that mean like you're not thinking you're there's not a point where you've reached it where you're going to bench Teddy Bridgewater that you don't think he deserved that yet? I mean, the way he handles the press, Vic Fangio, leaves a lot to be desired and leaves with more questions than answers going forward. You know, when Peyton Manning kind of makes a half-hearted attempt to tackle a guy, you kind of let it slide because at least he tried and it's Peyton Manning, right? Like he's going to, he probably put up 350 and three tutties that day. So you're not really crying too much, but even Peyton at least puts in the effort, right? And this was the guy that would self-sack when, uh, you know, when necessary, at least, you know, in the last two, three years, he was a player. There's Uh, a video chat of him making a tackle. It was It was the year after he had neck surgery. You're talking about a future Hall of Famer with his career on the line if he has one more injury, and he was in there sticking his head in literally. Teddy Bridgewater can't even throw a shoulder. It's indefensible. I'm sorry. Michaela, thank you. She says, Fangio is officially the worst coach we've ever had, in my opinion. I don't uh, care whether you agree or not. As always, MHH for eternity. We love you. Yeah, there's. uh, I understand the feeling, the sentiment. I still kind of hold to... um, Josh McDaniels being the all-time worst. I'm not sure where I'd put Vic at this stage. You know, that's not something I think I would probably weigh in on until it's in retrospect. And then I can say, all right, you know, he's gone. Where would I rank him? But I feel you. He's definitely not amongst the best, right? Uh, Probably, of course, Mike Shanahan, Dan Reeves, number two, probably Red Miller, three. That's that's probably your, your top three. Your worst three, Vic's on there probably now. I don't know. I'd have to go back and and, and re, uh, refresh my memory on some of those '60s and '70s coaches. Um, but in modern history, the the worst three are probably Vic, VJ, Josh McDaniels, for what it's worth. But individually, though, I mean, look at them as coordinators. I would take McDaniel as as an OC over Vic Fangio as a DC. What McDaniel's is doing with Mac Jones right now is incredible. 
He's playing incredible ball. New England's thriving. That's the beauty of having good coaching. And even VJ in Arizona, I didn't think he would be successful there. A lot of talent, but he's making the most of it. So you could argue not Vic, Vic is the worst head coach of the bunch and also the worst coordinator of the bunch. And that's who's leading the Broncos now. That's who's making the quarterback decisions of the future for the Broncos. It's scary. I don't know if I'd go that far with Vic just because of how many guys out there are branching off his tree and having success. I just think, Zach, he's just one of those guys, similar to Vance and obviously with Josh, that was completely in over his head when it comes to the requisite traits for being a head coach. And sometimes guys get in over their head the first time. They learn from their mistakes. They, they figure out where they went wrong and why they were swimming. And the next time they get an opportunity, they succeed. Like Mike Shanahan, for example, even though it's not exactly apples to apples, was a second-time head coach when he got had his success because, you know, he was a head coach of the Raiders. Now, that was a weird situation. I don't even know if you should qualify that first run, but he was a head coach. And who knows, maybe VJ, for example, Zach, will have success in his next opportunity to be a head coach because of what he learned the first time he was thrown into the fire unprepared, apparently. Clado Tornado, what's up, bro? Scary thought. What if it's not just coaching? What if the game has passed the entire Broncos organization by? We are somewhat like the Steelers, still thinking a strong defense and careful offense win. Yeah, there's something here, Zach, about what he what he's touching on as far as like the rot underneath. You know, it's like a uh, big, beautiful house exterior, this gorgeous mansion, and then you open the door and walk in, and it's just falling apart inside and decaying and you know, basically it's only a matter of time before it collapses under its own weight. There's something there as far as the vision. One of the things I, and I don't want to really cast this onto George Payton because I don't think it's George. I think George is the new guy, right? He's the guy that if he's not careful, he might get tainted by what we're talking about here, but just like the stubborn obliviousness to sticking to plan A when plan A ain't working. You know, that, that was a big thing with John Elway, for example. With the exception of a John Elway-led team at the executive level, with the exception of 2016, when he wanted uh, Paxton Lynch and Gary Kubiak wanted Trevor Simeon. But then again, in John's opinion, Paxton probably was plan A. You know, that's probably what he wanted to see from the get-go, and, and you know, he was kind of foiled there. But there's something to it, and, um, you know – the good news is John's for those of you, if you want to point to Elway potentially being the most complicit in this potential organizational rot, he's going to be gone uh, less than six months from now. Joe Ellis, if you trust his word is going to be gone less than six months from now. So there will be some changes and only time will tell whether, you know, they end up having that positive trickled down effect on the organization overall when the new people come in that replace them. Well, to your thing about VJ, who's really sprung from the street, Brandon Staley. I mean, is that is, is he the only guy pretty much so far? And after 40, 50, 100 years as a defensive assistant in the NFL, Chad, he should have a tree. It's not surprising that he does. I, if, if VJ was a coordinator for that long, he'd have a tree too. So I'm not as big into his defense as maybe you are or other people are. They are uh, liabilities more often than not. The thing about the Steelers is they get by that way, close games, you know, careful offense, solid defense because they have a great head coach in Mike Tomlin. It all comes down to coaching in the end. Vic Fangio, as we've seen, is the furthest cry from Mike Tomlin. I just love the way Mike Tomlin gets, I think, he finds a way to glean the best possible performances from his players. 
you know, I don't know if you'd consider him really a player's coach per se. I think probably most of his guys would, would say that, but at the same time, when he needs to drop the hammer, he drops the hammer. Like he just has a good feel for how to, you know, communicate to a gr- a room of 53, nay, you know, uh, what is it now? 69 grown professional men with families and paychecks and whatnot and get them all moving toward the same goal. Travis, good to see you, bro. Thank you. He says evening priests and Broncos country. That game yesterday was sickening. I can't believe every time we get inside the five, we shoot ourselves in the foot with a stupid penalty. Time for a coaching change and a QB change. Yeah, well, it's just not going to happen, boys and girls. It's just not going to happen until the season's over. And unless Teddy gets hurt and you don't wish that knock on wood on anybody or Vic gets fired, that's your head or that's your quarterback coach combination. Marcus, thank you for the stars, big dog. Appreciate it. Uh, He has a comment here that just, happens to be right there uh that he says real quick he says i have defended teddy all season but sunday i could not do that to just follow blindly and not take a chance and use his own judgment yeah it was pretty uh despicable now real quick zach while we're getting a little bit uh we're about halfway point want to give everybody an update since it is november 15th guys we are within striking distance of reaching the goal for the month our goal on facebook is reaching 200,000 stars when we do so, we're going to raffle off a Broncos jersey of the community's choosing, their winner's choosing, and we're at 92%. And we promise that if we hit that at the halfway point, we'll redo another goal and maybe wrap, end up raffling multiple jerseys in the same month just because or because you guys have been crushing it. So there's still time left. Like We can bridge that gap tonight. We got 30 minutes to do it, but so far so good, everybody. Really appreciate it. And the top. Uh, people in the running that are going to have the most names in the hat, tickets in the hat. Randy at the top, Travis Weber at two, Shane at three. And by the way, Shane, shout out to you, bro. I don't know what it was last night. Facebook wasn't showing us your stars. So we did see after the fact, Scott helped us recognize this, that you had uh, thrown down some serious support. So shout out to you, bro. Uh, Tim Hoffman, Andrew Lampy, Andrew Baker at six, Doug Raquel at seven, Travis Tarbox, eight, Morgan Henry, nine, Pete Middleton, 10, and then here's just a few of the names outside the top 10, and we'll we'll do Super Chat here in just a moment's time. Um, Miguel, thank you, bro. He says, before you ask, it's Santistevon. Nice, thank you. If Peyton can't find a QB with a new offensive coach, can you see Drew getting a shot next year while still under contract? That's an interesting topic because let's just for a second, Zach, buy in completely that the 2022 quarterback class is garbage and there's not even one worth drafting in the first round, let alone trading up to get into position to, to land him. And that new coach comes in. What do you think the odds are if you can't land Aaron Rodgers and you can't land Russell Wilson and there's no one that you love in the draft that it ends up being drew next year? Well, I mean, you're assuming that or Miguel, you're assuming that he's going to wait that long to go to plan B. I mean, George Payton right now probably has plan Z uh, scoped out as to what he wants to do, do at quarterback. I mean, no, we don't have a crystal ball, but it just seems like Drew Locke needs to change the scenery, and uh, neither the front office nor the current coaching staff wants to give him a shot. And you wonder whether he has any emotional investment remaining in the Broncos. Or, you know, it takes two. He has to want to play here. He has to want to thrive here. And you can make the case the Broncos stunted that development. So I would give him very low odds of returning next year, even as a backup. I think the Broncos clean house and go in a different direction. I know if I'm putting myself in Drew's shoes, 
just the process, just taking it up to the moment in time where they chose Teddy over me, that would be extremely disheartening considering what we'd been through together, what, you know, we sacrificed together, the strides I made during the off season and all that. And then in the face of a four game losing streak, you didn't even entertain the notion of going to, to me. And then in the face of the organization being clowned in the media and fans, both local and, you know, in the national scope, becoming literally pilloried and a laughing stock because of the quarterback, something the quarterback did or didn't do, however you want to define that. I would be like, yeah, dude, get me out of here. Hey, agent, the soonest chance we get next to off season, if there's a way out, I want out of here. I just need, this is, this is BS. Okay. Shoguki. What's up, dude. Good to see you. He says, we got to stay the course. Once, once we out Vic, once we, I need some syntax. What's he saying there? We got to stay the course. Once they're out of the playoffs, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Once we out, Vic is gone. Yeah, probably. I mean, that's, you know, on one hand, you try and put yourself in the, in the shoes of the shot callers for an NFL franchise. It's not very wise if you rise up to say GM and you get the job, how much of a, how wise would you be? How competent in your job would you really be if you kowtow to fan and media outcry, right? To a point. At a certain point, though, you got to go, wait a minute now. Everyone on the outside of the building is pointing to it being this, and we're, we're no, 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 we know better. It's that. Like at a certain point, there's got to be, what's a good word? Afraid, like a turning point. There's got to be something that makes you go, all right, the hue, the outcry, the pressure from outside the building, like maybe there's some there there. Let's take a look at this. That just hasn't happened yet, and it's not going to happen until – they're out of the playoffs. Once they are either eliminated from playoff contention or, you know, someone gets hurt, that's, they're going to stay, stay the course. Even in the face of, you know, it'd be one thing, Zach, if it was, you know, uh, the quarterback playing lights out and just not just coming up the team overall coming up small in the clutch or something. And, you know, it's like, Hey, what are you going to do? We're not going to try, we're not going to replace a guy that's balling out a quarterback because everyone around him or, you know, certain situations outside of his control have led to losses. We're talking about a four-game losing streak inside the first half of the season, unflinching. They didn't move off of Teddy, and it's because they don't like Drew. Mike Reno, maybe Vic doesn't like Locke, but this is a business and not a popularity contest. Yeah, but personalities and, and politics always play a part in any business, my friend. Well, the thing about the playoffs is by the time they're at they're eliminated from contention, it's going to be, what, week 14 or so by that point? Yep. Why not just wait till the end of the year and do it the right way and clean house on Black Monday? I think that's the plan for Peyton all along. Their bye week came in week 11, so they're not going to do anything this week, and it doesn't look like they are. I, I would not hold my breath anything happening before January, whatever. This is a good idea, Jay. He says MHA should do a fan poll on – Vic and Teddy's approval rating. We'll we'll look into that. That that might make for some interesting conversation and content. Joshua, appreciate you. A newer name. He says, my first super chat. Welcome. Thank you. Connect on Twitter. He says, there needs to be a change at quarterback, but I won't hold my breath with Fangio. That's not happening. They're just not going to do it. You know, I got to assume, Zach, that between the end of last night's game and Vic Fangio at the virtual podium today, if George Payton was going to step in and try and force 
a situation and strong arm Vic to make a change, that conversation would have already taken place. I would guess. Maybe not, but I would guess. So, you know, silence, complicity, whatever. George not doing anything is sign that he is supporting what Vic is ultimately moving forward doing. Well, you had Teddy off a concussion, literally limping into a game against Cleveland, and they gave no thought to playing Drew Locke after preaching player safety. I think that was the biggest indication so far that George Payton has not stepped in and Vic Fangio still has control over those calls. And that George is allowing Vic to have that control, you know? Uh, Travis jumping in again to say the one positive is by far Quinn Miners on the O-line. He's a rookie from a small school, but he absolutely belongs. He's our long-term answer at right guard. Yeah, he's one of the he's one of the studs of this, you know, this early, I guess it's not early anymore, but this season. You know, the young guys for the most part, especially the premium round dudes, they've been they've been playing well. Passer Tan, stud. Javante Williams, stud. Quinn Miners, stud. Those first three guys, and then you even get to Caden Stearns, who was a fifth round pick. He's been a stud. Baron Browning, when he's on the field, has been a stud. That's encouraging. And, Zach, that speaks to Broncos hired the right guy at GM. But you got to, at a certain point, start wondering a little bit about George Payton in terms of, like, how far do you let the Titanic drift off course, knowing it's off course, before you step in and try and put it back on before it hits the iceberg? Like, you know, where the buck stops with George, so at a certain point, you question some of these decisions that are being put, uh, you know, enacted in Denver. George Payton knows that he has a life draft. No one else in the building has that or knows that, but George Payton knows that. He, hey, even if we hit that's the true. iceberg, even if we crash, I'll I'll be okay. Uh, that's so that's the uh, that's the George Payton thing um, about Quinn Miners. His pass pro is a little leaky still. I would like for him to be better there. I know it's tough to get acclimated in, in those sets, especially with uh, Cam Fleming at right tackle. But in terms of run blocking, between him and Atani Muti, the Broncos are set for the future. Dude, watching either of those guys get out in run block, especially Quinn, dude, you know, because sometimes Natani gets out there and he's like a wild missile. You, you know, if he hits his target, you know it's going to be explosive, but you're just not sure if he's going to. Quinn, dude, when he gets out there, especially when he has to pull – or he's on the move and he gets to the second level. Man, dude, that guy posterizes all comers. Yeah, Claude, we feel you. What is happening? Face palm. Yes, indeed. GLP in the house. Thank you, Gary. Good to see you, bro. How you feeling? Hope you're doing well. Um, here is, by the way, his uh, full, what he meant to say. We got to just stay the course to get what we want. Once Vic gets eliminated from playoff contention, we know then we know his fate is sealed. It'll be here before you know it. Uh, Travis says, how is it possible that Vic can make the quarterback decisions when he doesn't even pay attention to our offense? Just curious, Zach. I, I think his fate's already sealed, honestly. I think the, the team playing better can unseal the fate as of right now, which is that he will be fired. But how could George Payton, with any confidence, bring back Vic Fangio for another season and sell that to the fan base, sell that to the locker room? Every single year, a losing season and he's getting worse and worse and worse as a head coach. At this point, barring a drastic 2007 Giants-type turnaround, I don't see any way Vic Fangio is brought back. Shout-out to you, Michael. Good to see you, brother. Shout-out to Dave Glassman, who says, sit him. It's lock time. Let's see what we've got. Give the kid a chance. It's just not going to happen. We can sit here till we're blue in the face, man. They're not – and 
what better time in the season? You know, on one hand, Zach, you go, that was the worst possible thing that could have happened to this team entering the bye because you got to live with that. You got to sit with that sickening rot, that sickening, embarrassing feeling of being blown out again at home. And then you have like a controversial moment that the headlines, the distractions and all that, like for the coaches, it's literally the worst possible thing that you want to have to deal with entering your bye. But the flip side to that, Zach, is it's actually the best possible time if you're going to make a change. Like if you need time to make some changes, you got it, but they're not going to. Travis Weber, good to see you, bro. He says, I saw an article from ESPN where Teddy owned up to yesterday, trying to say the right thing. A day late on something that should have never happened. Fangio needs to just quit. It's so frustrating. Yeah, I mean, Teddy had no choice but to address it. And I'll tell you this. I'll give him and the Broncos a little bit of credit in that they didn't have to make him available today, but they did. You know, they could see that uh, there was a pretty massive backlash, both on social media, the airwaves, television, podcasts like it was a thing you know living breathing thing and the only possible way to maybe try and get control of what that narrative might be is to expose teddy to the media and see if maybe we can put a lid on this how effective that was i don't know but zach i do give him a little bit of credit for facing the firing squad today because it could have been just as it would have been much easier just to say you know it's vic today because normally on mondays for what it's worth, guys, after the game, only Vic is made available. Only Vic. So they went out of their way to expose Teddy to, to the fire. I'll always go back to my saying, you know, uh, he who makes the news controls the news. And that's exactly what Teddy Bridgewater and the Broncos were doing. I don't give him any credit. They're not doing it because they care, because they're trying to do the right thing, because they're being sincere, because they want to mend Broncos country's feelings after an inexplicable loss. They're doing it because they were wrong about how they handled it in the first place. They lied about it yesterday, and they're trying to rectify that today. The least they could have done was put Teddy Bridgewater out there to own up publicly for what he did. And what did he do? He repeated team talking points. And what did Vic Fangio do? He repeated Teddy Bridgewater. So even though they went up there, Chad, what did they really say that was of any value? Nothing. I agree that a lot of that's the thing is how effective was it? I mean, Teddy Bridgewater, a lot of what he said was, uh, I'll just say, questionable. All right, It only adds layers to this that make me question things more. It only adds to my misgivings. Uh, real quick, guys, here's the update on the Super Chat rankings. And we've had some people climb. We've had some people drop. But just like we're doing on Facebook, at the end of this month, we're going to raffle off a Broncos jersey of the winner's choosing to the top five finishers on Super Chat. And then... You know, if someone doesn't make it into the top five, but they've been contributing steadily, each tier we're going to raffle off some a little care package like we did last month. Uh, and those, I understand, those care packages, by the way, are shipping this week. For So if you were one of the winners from that last month, they're shipping this week. Uh, but here is the top five. DWI guys, still at number one. The Duchess, Michaela, at number two. Naj Altaf at three. And look who leapt into the top five by virtue, Zach, of last night alone. Coach Chris. So shout out to Coach Chris, who was not ranked ahead of last night. And then uh, Corey H at number five. Very impressive. And then here's just a few of the names like Casey and D-Dub, Clayto, Cody, Dave from Georgia, Kayaka, Geiger Gaming, Justin Mark, uh, Seth Harmon, the God King Mark. So 
Shout out to each and every one of you. Uh, we appreciate you. Dustin, that's not a name I recognize. Showing love on Facebook. So welcome and thank you, buddy. Appreciate that. Uh, 727 Mill. By the way, I, I noticed today, Mill, that we were connected on Twitter, that you were following me. And I saw you in the mentions. I'm like, oh, wait, I recognize that cat. Super Chat Superstar followed you back. So we'll, we'll be in touch. He says, I hope you all saw that video I sent on Twitter. We need Drew in now. Yeah, we saw it. We saw it. He's uh, he's he, sh- he sent us a few things today uh, in the mentions. I'm trying to remember. One was Greeny talking about something on ESPN. And the other one was it a. Uh, it was Slay talking about. Yeah, <laughs> he wanted what to give Slay Teddy. Say? He wanted to give Teddy a stiffy, and I swear to God, he said that. You can he watch the video that. for yourself. Stiff arm, yeah. Before. Meaning a stiff arm, yeah. but still. <laughs> and he said he was recounting what Teddy told him after the game when they met up, and uh, Teddy said, "Slay, you know I can't tackle you." I mean, that's so such an indictment of Teddy's mindset about the game, but this is neither here nor there. Now that we're talking about phrasing though, Chad, in yesterday's press conference, Vic Fangio was asked about the lack of red zone success. This is what Fangio said. I was going to go forward on some of those fourth downs, but they didn't get close enough. They, they, not we, they. Weird. Weird. Totally disconnected. Sometimes guys, there are these Freudian slips that, seem like a small thing if you're not paying attention, but if you catch it and examine the implications are actually quite broad. And that one right there is one of them. Michael says, if, if I was drew, I wouldn't want to play for the Broncos because they treat me like garbage. <laughs> yes, the line indeed. has gotten him hurt two years in a row. The coach won't play him at all. I mean, he's ended up on the CV list or in trouble with that. Two years now. I mean, the football gods are saying, Drew, your future is not in Denver. And I think he has to accept that. And on one hand, it's like partly understandable because the kid grew up in utter opposition to anything Denver Broncos because he was a Kansas City Chiefs native. You know, he was a Kansas City native, Lee Summit, Missouri, diehard Chiefs fan growing up. So, like, maybe that's the whole thing that threw this off, Zach, was the football gods. It's it's one thing – very few players get drafted to the team that of their childhood, right? That they grew up rooting for. It's very, very rare. So every player is used to, for the most part, Hey, I'm playing for a team that wasn't the one I was rooting for as a young kid. But in Drew's case, he was actually drafted by the team. He had an emotional, spiritual connection to their arch enemy in the Denver Broncos. So you wonder just in terms of football karma and the wheel that, you know, the, the the karmic will, how much that might have to do with it. Antonio, good to see you, buddy. How are you? Went to the game yesterday, had a great time, but ouch, so many Eagles fans rallying around us, few Bronco fans who stood until the end. Hashtag clean house. I was surprised, I'm not going to lie, Same. the number of Eagles fans that were in the stands yesterday. Like, you know, as someone who's been to countless, countless, countless games and you just, I mean, some some franchises travel pretty well, right? Including in Denver, like Green Bay, the Steelers. Uh, I'll leave it at that for now. But um, the Eagles, really? I mean, they didn't even win a world championship until 2017. I was surprised by that. Zach. Yeah, it was like the Broncos fans packing Jerry World for the Cowboys game last week. And uh, it, it's unfortunate because the game had all the earmarks for a nice Broncos win, three in a row heading into their bye week, but they couldn't have picked a worse time to go back to the same old Broncos. You know, Scott makes a point here real quick, and then we'll grab Naj. 
So for those of you, I think a lot of you know this, but Rex Ryan, who we were just talking about, former head coach of the New York Jets and Buffalo Bills, is the son of the late and great Buddy Ryan. And uh, he of the, um, you know, Bears and Philadelphia Eagles fame. Here's, here's Scott, quote, Fangio's comment about they didn't get close enough, Zach. That's damn near a Buddy Ryan type of comment. He made offense and defense a we versus, you know, us versus them thing. It feels that way. So, again, Vic Fangio, head coach of, not the Denver Broncos, head coach of the Denver Broncos defense. Pat Shermer, head coach of the Denver Broncos offense. The problem is Vic Fangio is nowhere near Buddy Ryan as a coach. So, I mean, he has no place to talk like that. He has no place to set that precedent when he is the number one culprit plaguing the Broncos right now, Chad. The cancer started in the head and worked its way down, and the head is with Vic Fangio. Naj, what's up, big dog? Very disappointed, says Naj, by Fangio once again. Elway loves the Broncos, and you see the pain in his face when they lose. Does Fangio even care? doesn't feel like it on a positive. I've been very impressed by Justin Simmons. He has stepped up. Yeah. I mean, we're, we were concerned about Justin Simmons first quarter of this season. He was not playing well, but the last four or five games, he really has turned the ship around. So credit to him. And I don't think we expected him to continue on a, you know, downward trajectory. We expected him to bounce back. So it was good to see. Well, isn't he the second highest paid safety in the NFL or Mm -hmm. number? I mean, shouldn't he be playing? Well, I hate to take such a hard line against the Broncos, but he's not doing anything that's going to changing games right now and giving the Broncos wins. He's making the most of his opportunity. We're talking about the interception. Shelby got his hand on that. So it was a throw that was deflected right to Simmons. I mean, he's not playing badly, but this is the level that the Broncos expected he would play at when they cut that check. Charlie says, Peyton has brought the Minnesota penchant for wasting talent here with him. Maybe. Nunzi, the coach is wasting talent. He's brought the talent to Denver. The coach is wasting it. Nunzi, appreciate that generosity of stars, my friend. Helping us try and hit goal tonight. I think we can still get there. He says, how will the ownership issue affect Peyton's ability to make decisions at the end of the season? What if the new owner wants to totally clean house, bring in his or her own staff? It's possible. They said that George Payton's contract, Zach, was ownership proof because it was a six-year deal. Nothing is ownership proof provided the owner has deep enough pockets, right? Like if the owner uh, doesn't feel the sting of of uh, having to pay, let's just say, $18 million bucks or something like that to a guy who's not in the building, no big deal. I mean – 18 million bucks to a billionaire. I mean, it's not nothing, but it's, you know, it's to get what you want. You just bought a brand new team. This is now your baby. It's a small, it's a surprisingly small price to pay perhaps for some of those guys. But I think George Payton is the type of guy that when the Broncos do get sold, that new owner will come in first thing, meet with George Payton, come out of that going. Yeah. I like this guy. We're going to stick with George. Well, I mean, how often do new owners come in and meddle in football affairs like that right away? They're not usually football people owners. They're usually business people. So they, they might bring in football advisors around them to you know tell them what's going on. But I can't see a new owner coming in, especially with one, the last name Bolin, and firing George Payton or demanding they clean, they clean house. It might even be where Bolin or uh, where uh, George Payton sits in on potential ownership interviews. He might be, you know, connected to that extent. I don't think he's going to be fired because of it, though. 
I doubt it as well. But eighteen million bucks. I mean, how much are how much money are the Broncos paying Von Miller to play for the Rams? Half of that. So you know, if for an owner that is of that mindset, I want my own guy. That eighteen million or whatever his contract. It's it's hard to know exactly what people are making at the executive level, but usually for a first time GM, something around three million bucks, something like that. Could be more. I don't know. He was pretty coveted candidate on this cycle. Andrew Baker, cheers for two more weeks of misery, but we need something or a change in that time. But what could that be? At least we all going through are going through this together. Yeah, dude, we need change, but it ain't coming. And that's what's so frustrating. You know, uh, that's it's like, you know, this has nothing to do with what your politics are. But it's like, let's say that uh, the guy that it's in the White House is is the opposition party to you. And, you, and you're halfway through his, uh, you know, first term and, you know, things need to change, but it ain't changing anytime soon. That's kind of like what people are going through right now. George Fox, things might change if the seats are not full. Then Peyton might not have a choice. Zach, the seats aren't full now. I mean, I, apparently there were a bunch of no shows at the game yesterday. Not that I can blame Broncos country, but I, I don't think that's going to influence Peyton too much. And to the last comment about changes, well, realistically, what are the biggest changes that Vic Fangio would make? He's not getting fired, so let's take it down to that level. Either benching Teddy Bridgewater, he said it's not happening, Teddy Bridgewater's the quarterback going forward, or firing Tom McMahon, and he said he's not doing that, Tom McMahon is going to remain the special teams coordinator. So, nothing to look forward to until the end of the year. Donald says, you guys should hear the Broncos' YouTube channel right now. They're live and they're defending Teddy. Then they're simultaneously banning anyone who disagrees. That's that's state sponsored. I mean, that is the team, you know, that's the team. You expect that from them. They're basically those guys talking right now have been probably given marching orders from an editorial perspective and they're sticking to them. So same orders that Teddy got. (laughs) Apparently. Uh, Mike says, hate to say it, but we're already out of the playoffs. The locker room is lost. Coaching's horrible, complete lackluster play, pardon me, by several players. I love my Broncos, but I'm a realist. No more Dallas games on our schedule, not busting on the Cowboys. You know, I think the biggest sign that things are about to really go off the rails, a couple things. One, you've got five of your six total division games still left to be played, and these are five tough games, right? Even the Raiders, no one can clown on the Raiders, guys. If you're a Broncos fan, no one has the right to clown on Raiders right now. They've beaten the Broncos each of their last three swings at the plate. And then before that, they split with the Broncos dating back to uh, at least 25, uh, 2016. All right. So you've got that unfortunate thing to deal with the fact that the schedule is only about to get stiffer because those division games, man, even if they're not great opponents, which they are above average opponents, each and every one of them, it's a division game, man. They get their dander up. And just like in the wild, they, a predator sense blood in the water. I mean, it's on like a shark going after the chum. I mean, it's so hopefully the Broncos can kind of, you know, stabilize and maybe reset and regather. They're not making changes, but maybe they can somehow come, come together and galvanize. But the other thing here, Zach, is the apparent rot, the players, you know, let's talk about Draymond Jones real quick. Cause we, we, covered what he said last night while we were live. Someone was kind enough to make it known to us what he had said in his post-game press conference. But today, Zach, he uh, walked it back first thing. You want to talk about damage control? Draymond Jones, man, he went straight into damage control 
today at the behest, no doubt, of uh, his team. I want to just read this. Let me just get it queued up real quick. I want to read to you what Draymond Jones said, and then I want to submit to you, Zach, the, the question of, is this just symptomatic of the fact that Fangio and his coaches have completely lost the locker room? Quote, this message is for clarification purposes only. I, Draymond Jones, have full autonomy when saying this message. Vic Fangio, it's like he's at the you know, link if you if you need help. <laughs> Vic Fangio is a damn good head coach. Come on, dude. And should be respected as such. Our 17-point oh deficit loss against Philly is on all of us. We all have to take accountability in order to become a better team. No one is solely the blame for us not getting the job done yesterday evening against the Eagles. We will be better Broncos country Ooh. from Draymond Jones. Chad, I've seen Al-Qaeda hostage videos that are less <laughs> scripted than that. He literally said, I, Draymond Jones. Is he in court right now? Did his, right. Did his lawyer personally approve that? Was his hand on a Bible? I, Blake, if you if you need help, link twice. I mean, really, how does he expect any fan to buy that? And then he goes, Vic Fangio is a damn good coach. Because that's what Vic Fangio just told me to say, that he's a damn good coach. <laughs> or else oh I'm uh, not seeing the field in uh, week 12. Wow. That's a, that's a new one. Guys, we're at 94% complete to the goal. I just looked. And we're about out of time. We got like three or four minutes, and then we really do got to go. Wyatt Horney, appreciate you, buddy. He says, let's try this comment again. If that was Drew on Sunday, everyone would be calling for his head. I get it. We won't see. And for what it's worth, Wyatt, everyone for the most part is calling for Teddy right now. Like everyone, this is like, I don't even want to talk about it this way, but it's been like an oddly unifying subject. There's been a lot of division in Broncos country this year. This subject, everyone seems to be on the same page in at least, even if they're not calling for Teddy to be benched, calling for Teddy and the Broncos to show some kind of accountability. If that was Drew, he says, everyone will be calling for his head. I get that we won't see Locke, but then try Brett Rippon, Kendall Hinton, or even the dude from Atlanta. I'd even take a running Wildcat with Javante and Gordon, anything but Teddy. Also, why does it seem like week in, week out, only the wide receivers are tight ends see the majority of targets in a game? One Ooh. game, it's all wide receivers. Next game, Ooh. it's all tight ends. Fant looked good. Don't give up on him yet. Hashtag Ooh. top five tight end in the making. Yeah, Vant did look good. That was probably his second best game of the season, and he's really only had two noteworthy games this year. So glad that comment brought that up. I tweeted about this last night. Cortland Sutton, who's been blowing up before Jerry Judy came back to the lineup, he had three total targets yesterday against the Eagles. That is the same amount as Javante Williams and one less than Melvin Gordon. Cortland Sutton. I mean, there really is something wrong there. And I also, I also tweeted today, a couple hours ago, Teddy Bridgewater's passing chart from yesterday's game. He went 22 with 36. Every every dot is within 5, 10 yards. They, oh, yeah. had, they had more completions, and think about this, more completions behind the line of scrimmage than they did beyond 15 yards. That's with Jerry Judy. That's with Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, Noah Fant, and all the rest. It's Bro. pathetic. And I'm going to shout out, uh, I think it was O'Halloran I saw tweet this, so credit to him for digging up this information. But only two passes, not completions, two passes that Teddy Bridgewater made yesterday had 17 air yards or more. Only two. And you wonder how the defense is able to just clog 
the middle of the field in the box and the line of scrimmage and just harass the Sam Hill out of the backs and the quarterback. Michaela, thank you. Number three on the night, I believe. Love you. She says, best time for a change. Yes, but nothing will change, and we're stuck with a liar for a coach. George Payton, if you are not part of the solution, you're part of the problem, as the saying goes. The longer this goes, Zach, where there's obvious problems that have plausible solutions and nothing changes, the more the honeymoon period on for, for George Payton, at least in the Bronco country zeitgeist, is going to be extinguished. I mean, Michaela, I agree with you. I think uh, Vic Fangio has resorted to outright lying now. He's showing his true colors, I think, as a person uh, when he gets up there and says the things he does. But all of Broncos country that's holding George Payton accountable right now for Vic Fangio will be celebrating George Payton the day he fires Vic Fangio as head coach. Be patient. I promise you he'll make changes. Promise you. Hang in there. Mike says, I have been in Teddy's corner all season, but just how he gave up on that tackle... I have given up on him. It's the circle of life. Ben Dover, what's going on? <laughs> I feel like the Teddy incident, says Ben, is a little overblown. Dude almost lost a leg a few years ago, and we've seen other quarterbacks get hurt like Baker. Uh, the obligatory singular one defense of Teddy tonight. Guys, be gentle on Ben. All right? Ooh. The man's a prof- he said it himself, Ben. He's a professional athlete, and he made a business decision. If you are so concerned about a leg you almost lost six years ago, five years ago, whatever it's been now, quit. You shouldn't be on the Dak Gum field. And the biggest problem here, Ben, is not the fact that Slay was able to return it for a touchdown and Teddy did nothing to forestall it from happening. The biggest problem is the precedent that sets in the eyes and minds of his teammates in which he is a captain over them. Don't make excuses for horrendous horse shite. All right. I don't know. Is that a naughty? Is shite naughty? If I just said not in this country, it's not in this country. I'm pretty sure we're in the clear. (laughs) Don't try and make Uh, excuses and justify absolute mile high horse shite. I've been in a car accident before. Does that mean I'm never going to drive again, Chad? I, I, I mean, just because something happened in the past doesn't mean it has to influence the future. And for the the pro-Teddy people out there saying it's not his job to tackle, or it's, it's not a running back's job to pass block or catch passes. Their job technically is to run the football, but they're still asked to do that. If you're on the field, you have to make that tackle. His own player... Her, uh, Darius Slay was closer to him than Teddy Bridgewater was to Darius Slay. He literally gave up. It's one thing if he dove at his feet and came up short, but at least try. Right. Don't literally just go like this and avoid all contact. I mean, it's so obvious. Last one for tonight, guys, and then we got to say good night. Nathan jumping in. Thank you, bro. Uh, good evening, everyone. Just another day closer to a new and hopefully improved coaching staff. Jay Roper. I like that, dude. Your last your last message, I'm not going to flash that one, but I like it. Uh, Travis Tarbox, I believe in Peyton, and I believe in our core players, but this coaching staff is terrible. I feel you. Morgan Henry, I feel as though we need an outspoken, enthusiastic leader on the team, and we don't have one. Isaac, appreciate you. 
Travis, maybe Fangio's tied to the mafia with how everything is gone. Yeah, they were calling it the Mile High Mafia. Remember the first year when he had Flacco and Fangio and yeah, yeah. It didn't, didn't go How'd over that work well. out. Yeah. But Zach, if you wouldn't mind signing us off here, I'll uh, I'll pull up and see if we managed to hit the goal. Well, I just wanted to say it's not pure a hundred percent on the Broncos coaches chat. They mentioned the I, I agree George Payton is not the problem. I think he's the solution for the Broncos. Most of the core players are also part of the solution, part of the future, but not every single one. Uh, when you have Dalton Reisner blowing blocks, when you have Melvin Gordon fumbling, when you have Teddy Bridgewater being Teddy Bridgewater, those are your core players that are not up to snuff. So it's not purely 100% on the coaching, but I would say it's 99 and nine tenths on the coaching. But that's going to do it for the podcast tonight. Be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. You can follow the main account for all your Broncos news and information at Mile High Huddle. You can follow Chad on Twitter at Chad and Jensen. Follow myself at Kelberman NFL. Go to huddleuppod.com and get yourself a dad hat, get yourself a football preset, shirt, coffee mug, anything you want is in that store. Also, facebook.com slash milehighhuddle. Hit that big blue button. Three VIP shows at your fingertips. Kelberman's Corner, Broncos Book Club, and Trickle Zone each and every week. Also, facebook.com slash Pod. Like that page. Also, if you haven't done so already, go to Apple Podcasts and leave your football priest a five-star review for a chance to win some swag each and every month. But please do these three things, if nothing else. Subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. Helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. No doubt about it. Um, Unfortunately, guys, uh, it's not updating in real time what we're at on the goal. So we'll have to wait to see tomorrow whether or not we actually hit the goal. It updated a little bit. That's why I was able to see we were at 94, but it's not going in real time, and we do have to go. So before we uh, say sayonara for tonight, let me uh, pull up so you guys can see how we finished on Facebook real quick, and then we're out of here. Shout out to Andrew Baker at the top. Love to see that, bro. Travis Tarbox, Travis Weber, Mike Reno, Claude Riley, Miguel, Nathan, Morgan, Marcus, GLP, Nunzi, Dustin, George, Isaac, Wyatt, Dave, Glassman. Shout out to each and every one of you. Appreciate you. Uh, We're off tomorrow, as Zach said. We'll see you Wednesday night. Don't forget, in the morning, you got Broncos for breakfast and building the Broncos tomorrow night. We'll see you then. Take care, and as always, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.